the hard shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. Alright, welcome back to the hard shoulder. As I referred before the break, we're continuing our series of changing face of the Irish family. Stephanie Regan, clinical psychotherapist, is doing a series for us where we're looking at different aspects of the modern Irish family in a way that we would not do so uh, in the past. And uh, to kick off this, uh, we, we today we're going to uh, look at different aspects of family life and family roles. Take a listen to this. So what happened? Well... Apparently, there was some name-calling and shoving on the playground. By the time a teacher separated them, Luke was sitting on Manny's chest. Luke, that's not like you. Wait a minute. You're Luke's father? Grandfather. So, Manny's father is... Javier. Can I see, guy? That's where he gets his fire. Okay, you're... He's our son. And my grandson. I'm his daughter. So, you're... His uncle. Stop saying that or I'll sit on your chest again. Oh, wait a second. Is that what this was all about? Keeps calling me his nephew. You are my nephew. Shut up. Okay, okay. I'm getting the sense that you're all related uh, somehow. Uh, So it's probably best if you work this out at home so the boys can go back to class. Right, that was taken from Modern Family and we played that because this week Stephanie's going to talk about the blended family. Welcome, Stephanie. What is a blended family? Thank you, Ivan. I suppose um, in... In definition terms, I would say it is where um, two people are establishing a family together, a family unit together, where there are children from both adults, from a previous relationship in some way. Because it is that blending of the two and the blending of those, if you like, previous histories, previous sort of ways of doing things. It's all of that. And these are all the challenges that come into play. Right. So you could have a situation that Paddy and Mary split up and Paddy takes up with Josephine and and she 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 maybe is a mother for the first time and he has a couple of kids. Correct. And therefore they might have more kids of their own and they may or, have, yes. or or both parties might have uh, for want of a better word, baggage from the previous relationship yes. in terms of it's kids. It's very common to have um you know, two people have separated or you know, one is divorced, one is separated, whatever and uh, they have children of their own or a child of their own and and they come together then and they set up house together as a couple. All right. First question. Mm -hmm. Paddy and Mary break up. They have two daughters. Yes. Who gets custody? Well, the custody, we take it as, I mean, the, the most common is that idea of custody where it is joint custody, but, but the child is in one person's house and visiting one of the others. So that's, that's the usual. But is it nearly always the mother? Yes, it is nearly always the mother. Right. That is the reality. It is nearly always the mother. And although that might be changing a little bit um, in terms of the courts and all of that, and I'm not an expert on that right. side of it, but definitely there is a predominance of okay. the mothers having, having so, custody. So, so would you say that in the majority of breakups in blended families that it's done amicably or in other words, say the, 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 the dad in this case doesn't yes. get custody? Of course. Uh, he might say, look, I've formed another union uh, with, 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 you know, uh, Christine and I'd be quite happy to have my kids back and I can give them a good home and all that. So, yeah. like, it, well, it strikes me that, that, you know, it really depends on how amicable the breakup of is. Of course. And the truth is, amicable breakups aren't 
that usual. You know, people, if people could get on very well and fix it and fix the rows, they probably would never have parted. So you have to accept that there's, there's often a very big reason why these situations have happened. There's often a lot of sadness involved, a lot of loss involved, and somebody may be very angry. Somebody also may be very disappointed and carry that sadness with them. And that is often a big, huge factor that's involved here in sorting out what happens next. So, so where I'm going with this is... Are the kids predisposed to taking sides? In other words, their yes. first loyalty is to their natural parents. It's natural. One yes. of which may not have custody. And there may be an inbuilt resentment towards the step-parent. Yes, and even where, if I may say, even where, for example, uh, one of the, say a mum has died and the father, two, three years later, goes ahead and marries someone else or, you know, starts up with, with someone else. Where there's no else. breakup. Where there's no breakup, where there's no animosity, where there's no disappointment in that sense. There will still be complex emotional feelings about that woman who is now coming into the house because she is in situ. She is a reminder of the the fact that her mother's place, mother is no longer there. She's a reminder of the fact that she is now in situ for that parent. And so, so even where there is no animosity or where there has been no divorce, there will be complex feelings. And what I'm saying is, in general, you know, it is more likely that it may be now the divorce-separation situation. And that unworked emotion really does have to be factored in. And something I often say to new couples, you know, when they're together is, I think I notice that people expect children to be able to kind of get over everything, you know, to be as happy as you are happy. Because we all know young love is pretty yeah. interesting and um, and very exciting and very nice, very sort of empowering for the couple who have maybe both been through difficult situations. But children aren't ready for that. There's a lot more going on in them. And I think parents have to be careful about that, expecting that happiness to be sort of carried by the children. It's not going to happen that way. They are going to resent it. So take the, you know, one has to, parents have to take the steps slowly for them. Don't ask for too much change too quickly. And also don't ask for utter love, you know, and and utter respect for the third party, you know, for this new party straight away. Let it build. Let the respect build. Let the good times build. Let You know, have good times together. Build on the one-to-one relationship with the child. And let, and always be enormously respectful. Okay. Of the person who is not present. I think that is really important. The, be it the mum who is not present or in the mum's case for the father who is not present. It's really important. And what's the best way to do that? Well, I just think, you see, if, you're, if your mind is situated correctly and you realise that uh, no matter why a couple come apart, whatever it is, and it can be anything, and we know there's a whole gamut of reasons, um, whatever they come apart, they are apart and they remain parents forever. And if that can be instated, if you like, in their thinking and in everybody's thinking, that this unit has to go the distance. You have to be able to facilitate. If you if you care about these kids, you want them to be able to go to the birthdays, go to these events, have their two parents there when they need them. And, you know, at those important times. And it does take wise thinking early, really. And to 
to set in some ways, try and work through your own personal anger, your own personal disappointment. Try not to give it to the children in any way, which can be difficult. But the truth is, it's hard for them to carry that burden. It's also, as you mentioned just earlier, they're already predisposed to not wanting this person anyway. So if you give them another layer of reasons why they don't want this person in their life, it's going to get more and more complex and more complex for them. Like adults, we can work things out, but these are children and they have this enormous attachment to their father, to their mum, no matter what those people do. All right, I'm speaking to Stephanie Regan and we're talking about blended families. Um, Let's just just focus on on the kids now again. Just take something like discipline. In other words, so there there was two kids from one union and two kids from another union and, 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 and... the people who are, we'll just say, somewhat estranged with their step-parent uh, are, 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 are misbehaving mm-hmm. and they're seeking attention. And, and you know, there, there clearly is not a blending the way you'd like. Indeed. Do you have to throw them a bit of slack and, and have less discipline? Do you have to be absolutely even-handed between all four kids? How would you mm-hmm. approach that? I would approach that, um, between a couple, I would approach that I think the very best way is you uh, correct your own children. It is much better because a child can take a correction from their own parent, but it feels much harsher when it comes from a step parent or a you know a, just a you know a mm. boyfriend dash girlfriend or partner of of the other parent. So um, I would always encourage people not to. In other words, go through the your partner and say, I do think we need to you know we need to sort that issue out about you know them not going to bed or them talking too much at the dinner or I don't know snapping the mm. controls or as uh, like in the vox pop there, you know, sitting on their chest and and shouting and roaring at each other. So, you know, I think you do that to each other and you say, how will we handle this? What's best? Will you talk to your child? I'll talk to mine. That is what works. That is proven to work. Now, I know a lot of guys who've had second unions and they have one set of kids that are quite old, maybe adult and one quite young. Mm. There's an age gap. Yeah. How do you cope with that? Yeah, you'll be very tired, number one. I yeah. think, uh, I mean, the truth is, as you know, if you've if you've got your children to 20, 25, you know, going back to three and five-year-olds or 10-year-olds is not going to be easy. But the other thing is you're bringing a great bit of experience with you into it. If you think of it, if it were yourself or myself, there would be a, there's a, a kind of an experience, a hand of experience, a moderateness, a, um, you've seen the whole, you've seen how, how children grow up, you've seen how important, you, you become become more clear, I think, about what is important and what is not as you go past and your And do you have to have sort of realistic uh, um, expectations of how they relate to each other? The adult kids and the younger yeah. kids, do I they get on to, or not? Yeah, I think you have to promote harmony, of course, but I think you can't expect harmony straight away. And this is my point about build it, work at it, make create nice times. That's what family is all about, isn't it? It's, it's all about our shared time and our shared memories and our shared childhood. So you're really giving a new model. You're giving them, uh, you're, you're offering also these kids, if I may say, you're giving them new times, new memories in this new blended family. That can work. It can be separate to everything else. They still have whatever memories they had in their original family. And this is a whole new set of ways. It's absolutely fine as long as it's good. And children from second, you know, relationships where they've had a second blended family situation will always say that they often will say that they only saw hostility and difficulty in the original 
relationship that broke. You know, the one that had broken up, the family that they have, the original family that they have left. So you're so saying this can, can be positive? Of course, because they're, they're getting into the situation where they can now see, maybe, maybe the first was, I mean, it broke up, so it broke up for reasons. So, you know, it may have been that there was hostility. It may have been that they didn't love each other anymore, that there was infidelity. We don't know what. But the children now get this opportunity in this new situation to see two people, a couple who love each other, like each other, watch telly together, make nice meals together, aren't giving out to each other. And so they're getting a chance to look at another model of love and how it can be. And so it can be a very good opportunity in that regard. They also, remember, can make fantastic friends with these new siblings. You know, they can be fabulous friends. They over time, it's not going to happen in two weeks, but over time, and uh, as it, I, I come from a blended, I have a blended family myself, so I've seen a lot of this work out. Not saying I did it perfectly like anybody else, but I think I learned a lot in the doing. And I would say that there are huge friendships among the the fa- but children is that from when both they become sides. older. At what? At what? No, teenagehood. Okay. Teenagehood, right. but much deeper as you get older. You're absolutely okay. right. How there. quickly then? So. Uh, you have a situation that Paddy and Mary are broken up mm-hmm. and one of them, uh, they're, they're now apart and one of them now forms a second relationship and it's leading towards something stronger. Maybe they get engaged or they start to move in together. Yes. How quickly should you introduce the kids from the first union into that second situation? Well, I think ideally, ideally you give it time. You certainly, but there's practicalities often involved here. But I mean, the more time... Not, not the more time as in years and years, but because uh, you don't want loads of deception going on. But uh, I think you. I think Gradual. to be. I think gradual, yes. And I certainly don't think you introduce lots of people. You, you know, it's a serious situation, so you introduce that person in in good time. But so I suppose what I'm saying is, time wise, I'd probably say. Not so much as soon as possible, but as soon as it becomes deceptive not to tell. That's, you know, sort of where you're deceiving the child not to tell. I think that's important and it does depend on the age of the child. And just say you had uh, something like an engagement or something formal to announce to them. How mm-hmm. would you go about that? Well, I think Would you have a family meeting and say, look, yes. uh, herself and myself are now going to take this, the well, next day we're going to set up home together? Yeah, well, I certainly think, you know, it's going to be very difficult for children if they have not become part and parcel of all of that before you start announcing that you're getting engaged and getting married to her. You know, I think the whole idea is that children feel so this is something... maybe bring them out to lunch or something like that? This is something like they that, are yeah. part of. This is somebody they've got fond of. This is where you can't just expect children to just take it on board and be thrilled skinny for you. You have to build and just like you'd work on any relationship you work on that relationship with children you take them out the the woman if she is the woman who is not um, not the mother of the children she must take them out do nice things with them and it's not about money it's about time it's about your attitude to the kids not expecting them you'll often hear people saying oh they must respect me because I'm there and I'm the mum not really not really I think as parents we also earn respect and I think the day of as they say you know uh, using their just enforcing is not the right way to go. Um, Especially then if you move into teenagehood, 
the, the relationships with blended families are even more complex in teenage, if you think of it in teenagehood. When they're little, it's just about play, isn't it? It's about doing nice things and going to town. Treats, yeah. Treats. Kids, are, you can, you know, they're, they're very, as they say, blackmailable. And, uh, but I think uh, when it comes to teenagehood, it's They get much, more moody and they have their own issues then. They, and then they have their own, also they have their own sexualization coming That's right yes, into yeah, play. Yeah. And, and this is a complication that, that they're looking then at the dad or the mom and they're thinking... That's, you know, okay. this is a sexual side of them and they don't want to know anything about it. So they'll reject, sorry, sorry to finish there, but they will reject more clearly and completely. They'll be harsher on the adults. And the other thing is, I suppose, they will be less forgiving. Um, they're more inclined of, of, say, an infidelity or a break or letting somebody down. or anything. They'll be very unforgiving of that because they're judging it also along the limited level of understanding that they have around the sexual. Right. At a young age. I'm talking to Stephanie Regan, our clinical psychotherapist, about the do's and don'ts and the difficulties of blended families. Could, could I say something that, that, that is probably outrageous and unfair, but it's an observation I have, mm-hmm. that, 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 that kids from blended families and second unions often have psychological problems. In other words, that subsequently in their own life, when it comes to their own relationships, you, you, you find that they are a lot more messed up in the head than even they might like to... Uh, uh, and that, uh, that, yeah, and, and at the heart of it is a hurt that if my mummy and daddy really loved them, loved me, they would have stayed together. What do well, you think? Is that two nonsense? Two things. I think you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. I think you're wrong. I don't think that children have to be messed up. There's recent research that shows that children actually, um, the, the time that it's more difficult for children is the seven, seven to 13, that kind of time, which is kind of exactly the point that we were making, which was that they are they have a greater understanding of the ramifications of who's having sex with who and what's that all about. And the whole sense of loyalty, friendship, you know, that is all big in their mind. It's a big part of their thinking at that phase. So they are inclined to be very... Very more vulnerable to the high impact, high octane kind of emotion of anger and fights and all of that that may be going on between parents. But that is for parents who are separating to deal with. The reality is we have to accept marriages, relationships are breaking more frequently and more often. And if we don't learn to deal with our own anger and our own emotion and our own disappointment better, our kids will be more damaged because that's what they're carrying. They are carrying the unworked out emotion of that See, there's part, there's part of me likes this idyllic happily ever after. The second part of me means that, look, just because there's a rock on the road, every relationship hits the rock of the road. Your endurance capacity is something that you need to work on to mm-hmm. stay together for mm-hmm. the sake of the kids, even though it sounds corny. Can I ask you mm-hmm. about the extended family? So yes, you have big events. You have 18th, 21st 20, parties. Christmas. You, you, you have uh, uh, confirmations and you have different family events. You have Christmas. Yes. And you see, people now have more grandparents because they're living longer. They have siblings of their own, aunties yes. and uncles. How do you handle all that morass? Well, because, you know, it was quite straightforward when it was Paddy's family and Mary's family. And now you have maybe up to four. Yes. Like on that clip we played, it, 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 it's like a compendium puzzle. That's right. But the reality is, that is how life is. That is how we are going. There are mo- First of all, I'd like to come back to the endurance thing about yeah. um, I do not agree that anybody gives up a marriage lightly. 
Okay. Um, I'm 30 years doing the work. I have never seen anybody. We're not, it's not Hollywood. If they could, they would. Oh my God. People break themselves to stay in marriages. Right. That is the truth. And anything, anybody that says otherwise, I would argue that, Dan. Right. Hugely. Nobody steps out of a marriage easily. Um, in terms then of, I suppose... What, um, sorry, just bring me back to that point. No, the in-laws and extended families, the grandparents. I think the huge point about that is that if you, you see, go down this fault line, blame, blame, somebody has to be at fault, somebody is disappointed, somebody has, you know, done something on somebody. If you go down that, then what happens is all the family are obliged to take sides and to hate and despise this person instead of looking at what have we left. Because what we have left is we have a whole lifetime left. You're going, and, and if you don't allow and encourage these relationships to continue with family, grandparents, aunties, uncles who so love work, them. So work, work on all those relationships as you're, well. You're denying your children those relationships. So they're not just losing the marriage and that family. You're denying them of all of those other relationships and those people love those kids. So you're saying go the extra mile in terms of keeping in touch with all the grandparents Absolutely. and all that kind of thing and things that are important. Granddad has turned 70 or whatever. Yes, yes go, go yes. along to that. Go along to that and pa- grandparents the same. Be disinterested. Be disinterested in who is at fault. I know that's not easy. I accept that that is not easy. But it is the right way to go forward. If you want to protect your children for the future and if you want them to be able to have have the wedding of their dreams, have the confirmation of their dreams, have Christmas. I see a number of families now. And let me tell you, younger people who have separated, you know, those who are now in their early 40s, who have come up in a time when in many ways they always accepted that marriages could break. They are learning to do it better. They are sharing Christmas days together. They are sharing houses together, coming in the evening and and fathers are making dinners. No, but they're sharing the house. They're not splitting in this in this very absolute way. And it's better for children. All right. Well, in case you think this is abstract, one in five children younger than one are living with a lone parent family or a step family or without parents. And this increases to one in three children uh, for the 10 to 14 age cohort, 36% of children. So you can see this is a growing reality of blended families. My thanks, as always, to Stephanie Regan. We'll be continuing with the changing face of the Irish family at the same time next week. And that's it from us on the hard shoulder this evening. My thanks to the entire team for today's show. Mark Simpson, Ashling Moore, Dan Flanagan, Alex Russo and Roisin Davis. Michael Quilligan and Peter Malloy were on sound. Off the ball is next. uh, up next. Not on the telly tonight, but Mark Cagney will be here for me tomorrow from four. I'll be back uh, for you on Wednesday and for the rest of the week. Until then, have a great night and thanks for listening.